To the Smoking Snake Podcast. This is episode 65 of the only English language podcast all about Brazilian football. You, of course, have your hosts. I'm Peter, joined as always by Enric. Uh, Enric, what's going on, man? Uh, it's been kind of nice, a lot of football to, to be played, but we got to catch our breath. Uh, we got the international break going on now. We don't have any midweek football, so we could just concentrate exclusively on the Brasilia they're out. Yeah, Peter, it's been amazing. And yeah, I'm glad that we only have one thing to focus on. Maybe the international games get in the way. Of course, we have Brazil coming up and playing uh, sometime in the future. But I think this is cool. Uh, we only have 10 matches to talk about and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it should be good. All Brasileral, Syria matches. And then we're going to do a little segment on uh, the fourth division, Serie D. It's kind of been the the... The running theme in past past weeks, uh, interviewing Luisa, of course, of Brasiliense, uh, another Serie D club. So uh, exciting stuff. Before I go any further, though, I do want to shout out uh, our, our our new uh, footballing Twitter friend, Diego Montalvan, um, a uh, journalist based out of Miami. He uh, interviewed me for a uh Comfortable qualifier interview that he did for his YouTube channel. So go check that out. Uh, go check out his stuff on Twitter. Uh, he's got a bunch of content on YouTube, Twitter, uh, uh, just normal journalist articles all about South American football. Um, so check that out in the meantime. But Enric, let's dive right into the rest of the row. Week 22, the weeks are just blazing by. Um, and let's start with a Goyas and Internacional fixture here that, again, Internacional just seem like they are a totally different team in the domestic league. This one ends nil-nil. Yeah, not, not, no goals in this match, surprising result. But is it really surprising when you see Goyas playing at their home stadium, obviously, uh, all leveled in Goiania, but it's a really tough stadium to be in, especially for strong teams. Uh, they have lost in the stadium to Coritiba, Cuiaba, who are maybe two surprises, but the only big team that has beaten them here was Palmeiras. They won against Corinthians, they beat Botafogo and Fortaleza, and drew to Fluminense, Atletico Mineiro, Gremio, Atletico Paranaense, and now Inter. So... Maybe you would consider this surprising, 0-0. I wouldn't because obviously last week, uh, many people maybe thought that they would lose to Atletico Paranaense and they came on in the 81st minute, equalized. So Goyaz doing what Goyaz does best at home. And obviously there were some red cards, two for the home side, one for Internacional with Luis Adriano getting expelled. But other than that, I think they're more than happy to get the point uh, at home as they fight in the relegation zone. Yeah, and I mean, I've been a certified international hater during the uh, Copa Libertadores, so I'm not too surprised to see this, um, especially the no goals. 
Um, I was surprised looking at back on Son of Inter stats over the last 10 games. I think we bring it up and we just add one uh, every week, but no wins in their last 10. That's four losses and six draws. No goals in their last four games, and they only have four goals scored for them in that 10-game time frame. That is pathetic. And listen, we know being pathetic. We're Santos supporters, okay? So <laughs> that's really bad. Um, it's just crazy how they can turn it on for, for Copa Libertadores and, uh, and, and be a completely different team in the domestic league. Um, it sucks for them, but uh, we know what they're concentrating on. And uh, we'll have to see if they can uh, if they can pull the 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 rabbit out of the hat in Copa Libertadores. I think in the breast of the row, this 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 year is pretty much over for them. I don't think they're going to get relegated, uh, but they're definitely not going to be qualifying for Libertadores. So um, Internacional just chugging along, and and yeah, not too surprising, I guess you'd have to say. Um, so let's move it on to a. Uh, more exciting game here. Two exciting teams with some bad blood between them. Atletico Paranaense versus Atletico Monero. Um, earlier this season, it seems like forever ago, um, that we had the drama with Paulo Tura and Filipao, and um, you know, Filipao retiring and coming out of retirement for Atletico Monero. So, um, it just some some drama and some bad blood here. They split the points, one goal apiece, uh, but it was close. It almost ended in an Atletico Monero win. Yeah, and two teams that you talked about their managerial history, but they played each other. This is the fourth time, twice in the Brasileirao and twice in Copa Libertadores, in which Atletico uh, Paranense won the first and then lost in the Brasileirao, lost in the Copa uh, Libertadores second leg and now uh, I think the fair result here in this match was the 1-1 draw one point for each Gallo started with two great shots left and right uh, they were both saved by Atletico Paranaense's second keeper Leo Link because he was substituting the injured Bento and the Paulinho's header uh, went straight in the middle and beats the goalkeeper so maybe that gave a feeling that this keeper might be saving shots from left and right, but maybe straight in the middle, he's not really prepared for. And uh, Atletico Mineiro continued to dominate with the ball in the fa- in the first half. Pavon tried his luck and shoots in the middle once again. And the home side keeper, he struggled to keep it out. And minutes later, uh, it's Everson for Atletico Mineiro performing a miraculous save from Diago Leno's header. And Fernandinho also tried his, his header, but... Uh, goes wide in the second half the atmosphere uh completely changed everson performed another crazy save after vitor bueno uh strikes with his header minutes later it's vitor bueno once again who shoots with a dangerous free kick position uh punched out by everson and yeah everson being the type of goalkeeper that he has been recently and he's really been saving atletico minero from def- uh bad results in in the last matches yeah, great keeper, of course, formerly of Santos. He's he's kind of your your poor man's. Um, you could even say a poor man's bento, or you know, he 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 can make big saves, and he's also great with his feet, which is originally why Jorge Sampaoli brought him in. Um, and he's not even the only former Santos goalkeeper that we'll be talking about. Um, I know Enric, you and I are going to be talking about Rafael Cabral later, 
Uh, but yeah, just, just crazy. And I think um, Zapelli as well um, had a chance that was right after that uh, Vitor Bueno uh, uh, attempt there that was stopped and um, it was blocked by another player uh, like right around the line. So Gallo coming dangerously close, uh, but they would in fact succeed just minutes later, succeed, uh, concede uh, to who else Vitor Roque guy's incredible 11th 11th goal of the year headed to the pre-olympic qualifiers right after this no big deal just just casual again this guy's a scoring machine and and barcelona really have uh found themselves a, a superstar yeah definitely and i think that goal was very cool uh it was first saved by everson and the ball finally went in after the rebound so peter Oke gets uh as you said Many goals in this Brasilera or any competition so far. It's the third in a row uh, for Atletico Paranaense, and he's really proving to be a really good signing for not only Barcelona, but for the national team as well. I'm sure that he's going to help out the team in the future. In four or five years, he's going to be our main striker uh, alongside Enrique. So hopefully things go uh, well between these two players and they learn how to play with each other and bring on World Cups to the Brazilian national team. Unfortunately, though, in the 82nd minute, Fernandinho was expelled with eight minutes to go as he received the second yellow. Uh, he unintentionally elbowed the opponent's face, so maybe you would consider that harsh refereeing, but uh, the game is how it is, and you can't really argue against that, and any challenge like that would get you sent off, and he did so. Luckily for the home side, uh, they did not lose this game. So, again, I think that a point each is pretty good for both sides uh, as they take it with them. Yeah, and that's really too bad because they uh, have a pretty tough opponent up next. They have Flamengo up next, which is perfect segue into the next game. Huge Rio de Janeiro derby Botafogo hosting this time Flamengo. Um, I think the first fixture Flamengo hosting Botafogo earlier this year was really the point where a lot of Botafogo fans started to get really excited when they beat Flamengo. And I know our, our, our boy Pete was going crazy. Um, and I mean, they really haven't stopped going crazy since then. Um, Botafogo, though, this time dropping all three points. Flamengo getting the win, uh, 2-1 away from home, comprehensive victory. Um, pretty good result considering how, you know, how hostile the environment was, huh? Yeah, and definitely you mentioned the previous round match in the first leg in which I think Botafogo won 3-2 in Maracanã. So that was definitely a good game. And even this one... Um, it started with a crazy atmosphere in the Nilton Santos Stadium, especially after Fogal's exit from the Sudamericana. And yeah, you did not really expect anything big out of this match. And Gabi Gol was benched, so that was maybe another surprise and something that probably positively infected uh, Flamengo's result at the end. Yeah, and the stadium was going even wilder because... That iconic number nine is back for uh, Botafogo. Chiquinho Suarez back after his injury, uh, I think about a month out. Um, and uh, so nice to see him back. Hopefully he gets right back to form. He had a few opportunities and looked pretty decent in this match. 
but Botafogo again undefeated at home up until this result. Uh, I didn't know that, and it's just crazy to think. Uh, although it makes very it makes a lot of sense, they barely lose any games. So uh, this place has been a fortress for them so far. Yeah, but it's surprising as well because maybe if they were going to lose the match at home, it had to be before Chiquinho returned. And now, first game, he's back, they lose. So the game starts in a very unfortunate way for the home side with a second-minute goal, or own goal, I should say, by Marlon Freitas. He wanted to clear it away from Bruno Enrique and smacks it in his own net instead. And for a moment, I was watching the game live and thought, wait a second, is this Botafogo's goal? Because I wasn't really paying attention on the build-up and the game, of course. Two minutes in, it takes a little bit of time to realize which side you're shooting against. And then there you go, own goal by Botafogo, 1-0 for Flamengo, really surprising. Yeah, definitely surprised. And, and uh, you know, the whole thing was created, it was off a of Wesley cross. And um, he's been popping up everywhere. He's not a player that I think at the start of the season that he was really on my radar. I might have seen his name and of course um you know flamengo had rotated the side and seen we've seen some of their kids come through and talked about the um th- their academy grads and this kid wesley franca has come in and he's been popping up he's been making some great plays and here he just swings in across like you said looking for bruno henrique gets a little bit of luck and uh they get an own goal and and uh flamengo are, are on the front foot yeah flamengo go first and even prior before this game started, you would expect both teams to aim for the goal. And especially now with Botafogo having conceded with just two minutes in, now they have 88 minutes left to do everything possible to at least get an equalizer. And Flamengo started sh- shaking a little bit. Uh, defensively speaking, there were pass mistakes, uh, which almost resulted in the equalizer just minutes later. But luckily for them, Flamengo's um, keeper... He saved, he saved those shots. Mateo Scunio, I think he's really been amazing. And I think it's funny how it's been such a long time that we even forgot the name of the other keeper, Santos, which <laughs> maybe we talked about them in the bases last year, but not anymore in this current season. So in the 19th minute, um, Botafogo's equalizer finally came. Uh, Chiquinho tries to control the ball and shoot, but it slips away from him. Victor Sa steals it and attempts a nice shot which catches the inside net and there you go 1-1 uh Botafogo scores and they find the equalizer in this match yeah great response um you can you can see you know the mentality of this team that has built this huge lead that look like they're likely going to be champions uh they come right back I mean it's so deflating an own goal anytime but Imagine playing your arch rival in the opening minutes uh, of of a, a crazy, crazy atmosphere of the game. Super deflating. They come right back. And again, Chiquinho, everyone's looking at him. The ball slips away from him. And Victor Sa pops up, makes no mistake. Um, and I thought Botafogo might have been maybe even the better team in the first half. Uh, but both sides certainly looking dangerous. Both sides um, like really having some great looks at the net. Um, and uh, as we look into the second half here, uh, one of the first chances in the second half, Bruno Henrique, who was just absolutely fantastic this match, scored a crazy, insane lob goal over the keeper. Um, 
and uh, it's, unfortunately, it's ruled out. Uh, but Flamengo were just that close to 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 pulling ahead there in the second half. You know what? I think I sort of forgot about that chance. Obviously, I watched it live, but now that you're mentioning it, it just brings me memories. And yeah, you're right about that. I remember that goal. And for a second, I thought it counted, but then it didn't. So unfortunately for Flamengo, uh, uh, that did not result in a official goal. But of course, they were definitely the better side in the second half. Um, and this is the thing, Flamengo, maybe you would keep mentioning how inconsistent they have been against small clubs, like conceding two goals to Curitiba, losing to Olympia. So results that you wouldn't expect, but then they're a completely different story whenever they're playing in Maracanã or whenever they're playing away against tough teams. And uh, as you mentioned, Bruno Enrique, maybe he thought that he had scored in the beginning of the second half, but he really did so in the, in the 73rd minute. He cuts inside from the left, times his shot, and sends it to make it 2-1. And what a beautiful finesse shot to go toward the top bins. That was Peter. Yeah, incredible goal. So pretty. And um, even as Bruno Henrique is aging, I mean, he's almost, I think he's 32 now, uh, approaching 33. Um, you know, it's tough for a, a speedy winger uh, to stay up on his game like Bruno has done. And, and again, he just, he's come back from this injury and he's, he's hit the ground running just the two goals in the brush of the row so far. But I feel like those two goals have definitely been impactful. Um, and he's been making contributions up and down the pitch. And it's just, it's so nice to see him back and, and, and at his best. Um, so uh, Bruno Henrique man of the match for me, I wanted to ask you and on the flip side, any concern for Botafogo? Uh, two losses in a row now to Defensa and now Flamengo. Recent draws against Sao Paulo and Cruzeiro. Uh, the lead whittled down uh, to just 10 points. And obviously I'm saying just uh, in air quotes here because that's still a big lead. Uh, but, you know, we're still in the thick of the season. We're not really that close to the end. Plenty of action still to to come uh, any concern for, for Bruno Lage's side? Yeah, I think they should be concerned. Obviously, there's only 22 weeks that have passed by. But when you look at the table, you mentioned them being 10 points ahead. But then you need to take into consideration that Gremio has one game less. So if they win that, they're going to have 42 points, which is only nine points away from the leaders. And looking at the results, Botafogo has three draws and three losses. Gremio has three draws and six losses. So all it takes is for Gremio to do whatever Botafogo is doing and beat them in the head-to-head. And also there are only two other matches that they need Botafogo to miss points on. So they're not really far, I think. And then you look at the teams next by Palmeiras, they're really going to turn things around and Despite them not having any signings this in this uh, in the summer, I expect Palmeiras to be the team that has has already been in the last couple of seasons. One thing I wanted to mention about this match, um, I think we talked about him in the beginning. Gabi Gol did not start here, and mm-hmm. we saw Pedro coming back to the starting lineup, and maybe he had chances of scoring. I think there was one shot in the first half that he put above the crossbar, but came close. So I'm glad that he's back and. I would like to see him uh, starting, even if it takes for Gabi Gold to be on the bench, maybe not the whole 90 minutes, but 
maybe he gets subbed on at some point. So, yeah, I really like that Sampaoli made this change, and I think it worked out. They got the three points in a tough stadium against a tough team, which are leaders in this competition. So, yeah, this is a great comeback for a Flamengo side that had been struggling in a couple of matches. Absolutely. You mentioned Gremio and Henrik. Let's switch gears to Gremio's match. Uh, pretty comprehensive, straightforward 2-0 win over Cuiabá. Um, what must what goes up must come down. Cuiabá were up, riding high, and now they are back down. Uh, another loss for them, but Gremio will take this win uh, and put those three points in their pocket. And like you said, you know, if they win their game in hand, they're just nine points away from the leader. Yeah, this was a nice back-to-back win for Gremio after winning, I think, against Cruzeiro 3-0 last week. So once again, they keep a clean sheet. Also back-to-back goals for Luis Suarez. So uh, really happy to see him at his age being able to score, even if it's against smaller clubs. Cuiabado with four losses in a row. So very surprising they have not scored since they beat flamengo 3-0 over a month ago i believe it was august 5th or august 6th so yeah i don't know what's going on with kuyaba and daverson uh, i expected him to score goals and do what he, he does best but things haven't been really good for kuyaba recently and yeah if they continue to do that they're gonna find themselves from the 10th positions in which they were a couple of weeks ago to the 20th which i hope yeah, for Santos's sake, we need them uh, tanking. And uh, I think we all expected a reversion to the mean, um, but uh, but it is kind of unfortunate uh, if you're a Cuiaba fan. Gromio, on the other hand, straight back up to third, uh, and uh, they'll look to uh, to put Palmeiras and Flamengo in their review mirror as, uh, as the weeks uh, go on. Um, all right, another team that's pushing for the top uh, not in it yet, but this result definitely helps. Fluminense cutting it so, so close, but they do secure the three points. One nil de- uh, victory over Fortaleza uh, on a very hot day in uh, Rio de Janeiro. Yeah, this is a game that you expected Fluminense to get the job done early into the match. And then you sort of watch a game live or even get notifications on your phone and you still see a 0-0. You think, what's going on? And then I realized after the game that they were playing in Volta Redonda Stadium and probably because of the grass situation at Maracanã. And uh, I think this is the second time they have done that this season. And even before the season started, uh, Fluminense did not have a good history playing in the stadium. They lost 1-0 or 2-1 uh, in the first leg, and maybe they could have get gotten knocked out in the semifinals or quarterfinals of the Campeonato Carioca if it wasn't about that 7-8-0 or 8-0 win in the return leg. So again, uh, they struggle here, and... They keep a clean sheet with a fired-up Fortaleza looking to use any opportunity and score. Finally, the home side, they score, and it took them 92 minutes to do so thanks to a nice shot, which kisses the pose by Diego Barbosa. Heartbreak for Fortaleza and João Ricardo, who thought that they have secured at least a point out of this match. But at the end of the day, Fluminense take the three points home, and they're really happy to to take them and jump up the table soon. Yeah, and Diego Barbosa was lucky on a few accounts, lucky that the ball fell to him 
uh, uh, I forget who shot was kind of deflected or pass and it fell right to him. And, and yeah, he just kind of kissed the post and, and ended up finding the back of the net. Uh, Fluminense, uh, full strength too. Um, Andre may have been thinking about his cell cell call up. Um, but, um, but yeah, uh, Mourinho missing from Fortaleza, but Fortaleza looked good. And despite not scoring, I think that uh, I wouldn't be panicking if uh, if I were a fan of, um, of Fortaleza. They are in a great position, especially for, um, you know, maybe their club's history, which is very historic, but, you know, maybe not in the top division. So, uh, again, Juan Pablo Voivoda has been uh, working a lot of magic uh, with Fortaleza and uh Looks like he'll continue to do so. All right. This one had tons of drama, as you usually see with these uh, Paulista derbies. Corinthians hosting Palmeiras. Um, again, two of the most bitter rivals in the state of Sao Paulo and, of course, in all of Brazil. Um, last week, uh, not this past match day, but the the one prior to that, Dudu was was uh, I meant to bring up that Dudu was out injured for the remainder of the season, tore his AC, uh, ACL. Um, so really unfortunate injury there, um, and they could have used him because this one ends all square, no goal scored, nil nil the final. Yeah, the Derby Paulista. This is a very, very exciting derby that. We get to see not too often, only twice a year. So two tough teams that for Santos' point of view, uh, they're clubs that we hate them in a way. But yeah, this was a great match despite not having any goals in it. Palmeiras had a wild start, chance after chance, especially with Gustavo's Gomez header, which almost goes in. And right before halftime, there was a quick counter uh, attack by Corinthians. Three players versus one defender and Cassio, the goalkeeper. Yuri Alberto passes it to Maicon, who sends it low towards the Weverton's feet. And what an incredible miss that was. If that had gone in, I think... Uh, Corinthians would have played a way different match and the same thing would have gone for Palmeiras you never know maybe they would have scored two and won the game but yeah this was very shocking and I did not expect that from Corinthians especially with a lack of Roger Getz that you see them not scoring many goals recently and to be able to miss these opportunities it really hurts them as a team and as a club when you look at the table yeah missing opportunities but um but you've got to credit the keepers, Weverton and Cassio, two of the old guard in the Brasileirao, um, and uh, sp- you know specifically for the goalkeepers union here, uh, and two of the best that have uh, have been have been doing this in Brazil for a long, long time, and they proved that you know they they're still writing history to this day. Some incredible saves. Um, uh, I think you mentioned the 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 chance with Macon that that Weverton stopped with his feet and and Casio uh, up and down the match, but especially towards the end was making some superb saves um, uh, just throughout the match and and it, it it's pretty incredible that with all the talent on the on on display here that you couldn't find a goal, especially when you look at the Palmeiras side, but not to be and again for me. The keepers were uh, were certainly the, the men of the match. Uh, but some drama late in this one, Enric, uh, with your 
I'm not going to say twin as far as name goes, but it's very close. I always have to take a second and make sure I'm not confusing you. Andriki, the Brazilian superstar, we already talked about him once, of course, in contrast uh, with Vitor Roque, but uh, he was on the receiving end of a horrific tackle. Well, I'm honored that my name and his name coincide in a way. But by the way, you mentioned this chance. And in the dying minutes of the game, same story as in the first half uh, for Corinthians. But now it's in favor of Leverdao. So quick counterattack from Enrique, who is harshly tackled by Mike Conne, uh Passes it to John John. He sends it toward Breno Lopez, who just has to send it a bit high above a beating keeper. Uh, but Casio once again saves it. And... Mike on uh, tackle later was seen in the VAR and he got sent off. Andriki could have had a broken leg there, maybe a serious injury for his career if uh, the ball was, well, not the ball, if the foot was touching the grass at that moment uh, when the tackle or the collision happened, then it would have been a devastating story for this youngster. And yeah, I'm really glad that things turned out in a different way and maybe. Uh, um, not only a red card, but Palmeiras should have used this opportunity to even score because even uh, from our point of view, uh, we again, we hate both teams, but if Palmeiras would have won here, it would have helped Santos be closer with points to Corinthians. So at the end of the day, it ends on 0-0, a draw that Palmeiras has been a little bit consistent, I should say, because they played Santos as well. They tied in Villa Belmiro 0-0. So I don't know what's happening with them when they play big clubs. They tied 1-1 against Flamengo not too long ago. So, yeah, things are not going too well, but at least they're doing well against smaller clubs. Uh, and they use any opportunity to score and beat sides 5-0, 1-0, whatever it takes to get the job done. Yeah, and I think the key there is that they're not losing, right? I mean, they they lose so infrequently. Um, and, and so when they do, maybe they have a few hiccups and and they they draw a few games, a few more wins, and they're right back on top. They're still accumulating all these points. Uh, only the three losses for Palmeiras uh, so far. And the only team that has that few, of course, are uh, is also Botafogo. So... Uh, not too bad when you're uh, when you're following the leaders who are leading by 10 points. Um, I want to say also Corinthians, um, you know, they've been getting OK results. They've clawed them their way up from like, you know, the 17th place or whatever their their lowest was. But they'll be kicking themselves. They've had a lot of games where they could have secured all three points, especially recently. And looking at the teams around them, they've been. Uh, you know, the teams around them have been in really poor form as well. Corinthians with just a few more strokes of luck or a little, you know, had they kept Roger Geds, let's just say, uh, if they had a few more wins, uh, they could be rocketing up this table. Uh, everyone's so clumped together down there. They're still, uh, I think, in 13th place. So, again, they're crawling up the table. But they could just turn, find a way to turn some of these draws into wins. They could be shooting up the table. Um, so, um, Corinthians, I think, uh, you know, they'll, they'll still maybe be thinking about some Sudamericana group stage directly to group stage finishes in the breast of the row. I mean, the teams around them, Sao Paulo, Cruzeiro, uh, Internacional, they've all been stumbling. So I think they can still do it, but they've just got to find a way to, to score some goals. 
uh, or otherwise, you know, they'll be languishing uh, towards the bottom of the table. Uh, speaking of the bottom of the table, Henrik, we had a big relegation, two relegation uh, matches here. Uh, let's start with Bahia and Vasco da Gama. 1-1, splitting the points. Uh, maybe not the best result if you're a Santos fan. Uh, both teams grabbing a point, but uh, definitely not the worst either. Bahia doesn't get all three. Um, but really for me, what stood out here, Dimitri Payet, one of the biggest gets uh, Vasco has gotten in the last few years, and the Brasilia Rao, uh, started uh, on the bench, but came on and made his debut. Uh, but again, fair result here, Enric? Yeah, definitely. I think Bahia was the way better side, especially in the first half. But then Vasco, with the new signings, you mentioned Payet, of course. We don't need to talk about him, what player he is. But also Vegetti, he gets equalizer with the penalty kick shot. So at least it's one point each. And I think Vasco da Gama is going to make a comeback in the second half of the season. They're going to look very good. And um, I know Santos will be playing up very soon. So I don't know how that game will turn up hopefully better for our advantage but yeah i expect vasco to be a very dangerous team and if it's if one of those clubs is meant to be relegated it has to be bahia they're very good but compared to vasco despite getting a point here i think vasco is the better side uh so vegetti again scores as i mentioned and vascaínos uh finally get a point out of this match uh after losing to Palmeiras last week. And once again, great result for both clubs. Not the best results from a Santos point of view, as you mentioned, but uh, maybe even a win here for either side, that would have been even worse for Santos. So I don't know what to say. And hopefully we get the job done ourselves and not rely on our other matches. Yeah. And I, before we move to Santos, because I think we'll have a lot to say, I wanted to ask you, and I want you to be brutally honest, uh, these are our competitors right now. We're in a relegation scrap. Uh, we're on the wrong side of that right now. Uh, Goyas accumulating points. Um, Bahia and Vasco are right, right surrounding us, sandwiching us in. Are either of these teams, or both, do you think better than Santos? So looking at the table right now, if I had to really be honest, I think... Santos is definitely better than Coritiba. We're definitely better than America. But then there needs to be two more in order for us to escape relegation. It's got to be, in my opinion, Vasco da Gama, Bahia, Goyas, or Cuiabá. Because Cuiabá, honestly, they're in 10th place, but they're only seven points away from Santos. And Santos is only seven points away from 20th place Coritiba. So... It's not too, too far. And I really expect Cuiabá in the next coming weeks, maybe in match week 25, they're going to be sitting around that 14, 15, or even 16 spots. So uh, if I had to choose, so Coritiba, America, for sure, they're going to finish below us. I think Vasco makes a comeback. Bahia, I think, gets relegated. So then it's a matter of between Goyas and Cuiabá. So for the moment, I think Goyas is worse, but I wouldn't count Cuiabao out. So hopefully one of these teams are get relegated, we escape it. And I don't know, I, I feel bad because I'm sort of uh, blaming the other clubs to get relegated and us to escape because honestly, I don't have anything against Goyas or Cuiabao. I don't hate them as a team, but 
uh, things are as they are and we got to have two more uh, below us in order for us to survive. Yeah, it's it's tough. I Looking back, I didn't watch the match, but looking at the highlights, Bahia and Vasco, I think they looked pretty decent. I know they're playing each other and they probably have weak weaker defenses. And we know that for sure uh, about Vasco. Um, but man, I am not feeling good. I'm not feeling confident. I'm very scared uh, that Bahia and Vasco might, still be um you know on the rise in the in the second half of the season i think we've seen that for sure for vasco and bahia uh are scaring me a lot too and and you mentioned goyas and cuiaba two teams that are above us and so we've got to count on them to uh to drop the points and it's it's really it's nerve-wracking um and enric you just said america worse than santos that wasn't the case though uh this past weekend America hosting and beating Santos 2-0. Um, what even can you say about this result? Well, sad times, disgraceful results, and Santos with only three goals scored away from home this season. Uh, one was the 1-0 win against Vasco, which was surprising by many people and even from Santos fans. Second was the 2-1 loss to Cruzeiro, and then the third, the 4-1 loss to Sao Paulo. So great insights in terms of play style and numerous chances, especially in the first half. But I think we got destroyed from counterattacks and ongoing defensive mistakes that we've been talking about in the last couple of weeks or months, even when Bowerman was here. So uh, at the end, I don't have much to say about this game. Uh, The result speaks for itself. Santos, as always, not doing great when it mostly matters but in the 90th minute very unnecessary red card by Soteldo uh he won't play against Bahia next week I think he got into an argument with the referee got gets a yellow and then says something bad gets a second yellow gets expelled and I think he he regrets doing that later on social media on Instagram he apologized to the fans in his story but yeah I hope that I know we're going to miss him, but I hope that we can get the job done against Bahia, even without him. I hope so, too. I really do, because this might be the season on the line here um, against Bahia. We don't get a win here. I was counting on three points here, if I'm being honest. I know we're away from home, but, you know, I really hope the team wasn't either, uh, because that would have they can't take anything for granted now. They've got to take everything uh, one step at a time. And you're looking at this lineup. I mean, for me, it's really the back four that are are very concerning. Uh, Rodrigo Fernandez, I'm a fan of. Rincon in midfield. Jean Lucas, best player for Santos. Uh, Lucas Lima, Marcus Leonardo, Steven Mendoza maybe didn't have his best game, but the the back. I mean, Dodo has been good at times this season. I've liked his game, but Alex Nascimento, uh, Joel Basso, uh, Joaquim, those three are all question marks for me. And I'm, I'm, I'm really not sure that that's going to be the team that's going to save us from relegation. I'm, I, it makes me very, very nervous. Um, but yeah, like you said, Soteldo, the red card, again, speaking of making me nervous, no Soteldo next week, probably arguably our, maybe not best player, but one of our most skilled players, uh, our number 10 and, and really a focal point for the team. So <sighs> Man, it is just, it is tough. 
it was tough going for for us as Santos supporters right now. So all we can do is uh, is tune in uh, this coming uh, or no, sorry next week. No uh, no matches this weekend for the international break, but and just hope that they have it in them to uh, to to beat Bahia and secure the three points. I really hope so too. Obviously, we had players coming in, players leaving the club, but hopefully with the necessary signings, we can turn things around and things hopefully look much more different in the coming weeks. Yeah, and actually, thanks for reminding me. Uh, latest signing, Alfredo Morelos, uh, formerly of Rangers, uh, joins the squad. And from a, someone who doesn't really watch the Scottish Premier League, um, I thought he was, you know, one of the stars. Uh, I, I've Obviously, I've seen some old firm derbies. Um, I know he's a pain in the ass. I know he's kind of, uh, you know, he's got an attitude and he's got some issues off the pitch, but no denying the goal record. And I thought he was beloved by the Rangers fan, kind of like a, uh, you know, he's a bastard, but he's our bastard type five. Uh, not the case, apparently, according to all their fans on Twitter, kind of shocked a lot of messages from Rangers fans. Uh, or just people who follow Scottish football saying that he's, you know, out of shape and that he's not going to try. And, and yeah, I don't really know what to make of him. So um, hopefully, Enric, we get a chance to do a transfer episode, cover all the transfers in and out of Brazil uh, this past window. But uh, just kind of initial reaction to this transfer, do uh, you think it's going to be successful? I think it's going to be. I don't remember him as a player because I obviously did not watch the Scottish League. Maybe I watched one Rangers match all all year and don't even remember him but one thing i remember about him i think it was fifa 19 or fifa 20 uh ea released a player objective wrote to the final europa league card for him and i remember completing that card so i saw the name and i remembered straight away who he is and where he plays so hopefully with the career that he's had playing in europe and playing for a historic club like rangers in in scotland hopefully he's going to turn up great and help us in the attacking role i know we have marcos leonardo and we complained uh, not too long ago that we need some older strikers and we had the argentinian that came in scored against gremio can't remember his name at the moment so he proved to be great and hopefully um even uh, morelos can do the same thing for santos and bring us back to glory yeah julio Furk, of course uh getting that last minute goal that was sensational um all right so cruzero uh last match of the match week uh cruzero's nil uh nil for red bull bragancino as well um mentioned it earlier but top top great game from rafael cabral uh the uh former santos keeper and libertadores champion yeah, and this was a great game as well to watch. Uh, 0-0, no goals, but definitely the be- the better game compared to Goyaz 0, Internacional 0, which we talked about. Uh, you would think that Cruzeiro was dominating throughout the whole game and they wanted to really get a, a win here. But in the 90th minute, things seemed like they were turning around for the worst for the home side. There was a VAR check for a clear Cruzeiro handball, saved due to inches of offside. So they canceled that and they had to call it offside. So luckily for Cruzeiro, they survived. And Rafael Cabral 
You mentioned it throughout all this episode, Peter. Top performance to protect his net. And he's going to make his return to Santos next week as a rival. So we'll see how that goes. It's been over, or no, 10 years exactly since he left. 10, week, 10 years and maybe a couple of months. I think it was May or June 2013, a couple of weeks after Neymar left to Barcelona. So it's been so long ago. He's been through... All or he's been in Napoli, other European clubs like uh, Reading, and now comes back to Brazil, plays in Serie B, gets promoted with Cruzeiro, and now he has a chance to play against his former club, uh, Menino do Vila. Always, despite what happens in that match, hopefully, uh, either side is happy with the result. And yeah, I'm really glad to see Rafael Carbal back to, back at Santos as a rival, even. Yeah, absolutely. Um, final match for the weekend uh, was postponed. Sao Paulo and Coritiba. Um, only reason I'm mentioning this one, Enric, did you see some of the signings Coritiba has made recently? I don't quite understand it. They've lost their last five. They're sitting now at the bottom of the league after America won. Um, but they've managed to secure Islam Slimani, uh, of course, the famous striker brought in to, uh, uh, to Leicester uh, the year after they won uh the premier league um intended to be kind of be you know the 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 next big player and and a star that would carry Leicester in maybe hasn't really hit those heights but still a very good player and a very random player that come to brazil for coritiba and then hesse um and the guy that's been all over stoke psg real madrid of course um, is where he was formed i think and, and was on the squad for uh two champions league uh, wins. So Korshiva now has a player that has won the Champions League twice on their roster. Just insane. Again, I'm hoping to do a transfer episode uh, somewhat soon, maybe with a special guest, uh, but just wanted to get your quick reaction to that because to me, that's just insane and I really don't know why uh, you know they're joining Korshiva. No offense. Well, yeah, I know they sold Aleph Manga a couple of weeks ago to uh, Cyprus so it's really been funny in a way how these Brazilian clubs not only Coritiba but even Sao Paulo funny how they should have played each other by the way Sao Paulo signing players from the 2011 to 2014 era especially like players are mostly remembered of like Lucas Moura Pato James Rodriguez from the World Cup and now Coritiba doing that with Slimani I think most people remember him in that uh, World Cup journey with Algeria in 2014 they almost beat Germany I believe in the round of 16 or quarterfinals so I remember that being a great match and Slimani having plenty of chances to score um, he's been throughout Spain England as you mentioned so uh, Jesse Rodriguez, another name that I really remember playing for Real Madrid. I think the first game that uh, Neymar was playing in El Clasico, in which he scored, I think it was a 3-1 victory for Barcelona. Jesse was a goal scorer for Real Madrid. So a name that you sort of look at and remember that he could have been a completely different player if career if, if his career would have gone a different path and was one of those promising stars coming from La Fabrica of Real Madrid so yeah really excited to see what Corigiba does but I wouldn't wish him too much luck because again we wanted to end up below us in the table but overall it's really exciting that uh, it's the Brasileiro's best competition ever with all these champions playing in Serie A and now they're 
looking at bringing so many stars from week in and week out to the in the league. So it's really exciting. Yeah, completely agree. And hopefully there's many more to come. Such a great league, competitive league. And it's great that big stars are even going to clubs like Korachiba. Um, uh, of course, Vasco is very historic and huge club, but they're not in the best situation right now. But that hasn't deterred, you know, Dimitri Payet um, and some of these other players. So awesome to see. And again, much, much more of that. All right, Enric, um, looking at the table, we've said it a lot this episode. Ten-point gap at the top. Uh, Palmeiras, Gremio, Flamengo rounding out the top four. Um, Inter, uh, again, not doing as well. Uh, Corinthians, Cruzeiro, Sao Paulo, and Cuiaba all sort of in that mid-table zone there. Um, and the relegation battle continues for Bahia, Santos, and Vasco. Uh, America still maybe, maybe can escape. Uh, they're at 16 points. Uh, Corachiba way down there, 14 points. Uh, and again, only the three wins for them. Uh, they would have a lot of work to do uh, if they're going to escape. But uh, any comments on the table before we uh, throw it back right on over to you for uh, our Serie D reporting? Well, we've talked so much about the table, but some things that catch my eye when I'm looking at it, uh, we obviously talked about Botafogo, Palmeiras, and Gremio, and we said that Botafogo maybe has chances of winning the competition, maybe they don't. And looking at the teams below, uh, they are doing things that other teams are not doing. So Palmeiras has three losses, Botafogo has three losses, Gremio has three draws, Botafogo has three draw draws. So if they keep this up and doing at least similarly to some of the teams below them, I think they're really going to get that title. And uh, another thing I just saw the difference. So Botafogo has 51 points. So the average for a team to get would be around 25, 26. And looking at the table, 25 points is Goyas sitting in 15th position. So there's 15 teams with, uh, between 25 and 50 points and then only five uh, from 25 and 14, which is only like a 10 or 11 point gap. So things playing going really well for the upper side of the table, but not too well for the lower one. And looking at Santos, we mentioned them being in 17th. And I think this has been our positions uh, for the last four or five weeks. It hasn't been good. And it, it has to change uh, that all that's all I'll say. And hopefully they improve for the, better in the future yeah definitely definitely and and one last note red bull bragancino uh still up in sixth place surprising uh maybe a little bit if you asked us i mean very surprising if you asked at the beginning of the season but from what they've seen what we've seen um you know this season they're a great team and, and they deserve to be up in sixth um all right enric Tell me what's been going on in the fourth division of the Brasileirao, Brasileirao Serie D. Well, it's funny. I don't know if even people are interested in hearing this, but I think it's cool because we're Serie D has 64 teams and only four of them get promoted. Last week, we talked about the clubs that got promoted. And I think we mentioned, or did we mention them? I think we mentioned Serie C. Just Serie so, C, yeah. Yeah, Serie D, it is Ferroviaria winning 2-1 to one against Sosa. For people that don't know and for 
others that have watched the interview with Thomas Freitas back in, I believe, last day of 2022. So last year, uh, Thomas Freitas, who is a scout, scout for many Brazilian clubs, has been at Juventus FC. And now he is doing some type of work at Ferroviaria. His club will be promoted to Serie C next year. And um, uh, another club... Basically, similar name, it's Ferroviario. They beat Maran Howe, uh, I believe, in penalty kicks after tying 2-2 two to two against them in regular time. Two other clubs that people are probably familiar with, uh, if they listen to us before the Brasileira started, watching the Campeonato Mineiro and Campeonato Gaúcho. Athletic Club advances after winning 2-1 to one against Bahia de Ferra. And they almost even beat Atletico Mineiro in the semifinals of Campeonato Mineiro back in April or um, March. And another team that reached the Campeonato Gaúcho final against Gramio, it's Caxias do Sol. They beat 2-1 to one Portuguesa of Rio de Janeiro. So those are the four teams uh, that go through and advance from Serie D to Serie C. They played each other, I believe, yesterday and the day before. In the semifinals, first leg, it ended up uh, Ferroviaria beat Athletic Club 1-0. And Caxias tied 1-1 today against Ferroviario. So they're going to be playing each other for the second legs um, in this upcoming weekend. And a lot of action to look forward to, Peter, in terms of matches coming up soon. Yeah, definitely. And, and that's, a, that's a competition where... Uh, we say it about Brazil, but especially in the lower divisions, anything can happen and it's so unpredictable and it's a lot of good fun to, to watch and keep track of. Um, all right. So looking ahead, uh, we've got the international break going on right now. Uh, Brazil played Bolivia on Friday, uh, the eighth, um, and they'll play Peru in Peru, I believe, uh, on Tuesday, September 12th. Uh, so Salasau uh, in action, um, some controversial uh, names. Uh, of course, we've got the Lucas Bacatá situation. Now we've got the Anthony uh, situation. Uh, he gets replaced by Gabriel Jesus, the striker from Arsenal. So um, that's a small update to uh, to the team. And of course, Lucas Perry uh, replaces the injured Bento. So um, some ins and some outs uh, when it comes to the Salasau. Uh, but for the Brasilia Rao, uh, no action this weekend, of course. But next week, midweek, we've got some matches, uh, I think, starting on Thursday. Uh, Enric, what catches your eye uh, as we look into the 23rd match week of the Brasilia Rao? Well, this is going to be a great round of matches. Uh, we're going to be seeing Flamengo playing against Atletico Paranaense. Flamengo had lost his game in the previous round. So looking at playing in Maracanã, they're going to want to win this game as they did against Botafogo last week. And it would be a great surprise if they fail to do so in their home ground. Uh, in the same day, it would be Internacional playing against Sao Paulo, two teams that have had some history in the past. Internacional still in Libertadores, Sao Paulo, out of Sudamericana. But other than that, uh, we mentioned the great return of Rafael to available Miros. So Santos will be playing Cruzeiro at home. Uh, I'm very pessimistic about a great result here. Hopefully we do. A draw would be good, but I don't know. I don't know if we'll see a win here, Peter. 
Yeah, we'll we'll see. Cruzeiro haven't been the best as of lately, and I don't think they're very great at scoring goals. Uh, but then again, neither are we. So um, I'm hopeful, but we'll have to see. It should be a good match regardless. Um, relegation battle, Coritiba and Bahia clashing there. We're rooting for Coritiba, of course. I hope Islam Slamani scores 17 goals um, elsewhere. Red Bull Braga versus Gramio could be a good match. And then on Saturday, um, some really big games. Actually, it might be Sunday. Uh, Vasco versus Fluminense, Rio de Janeiro Derby. Um, and then we've got Atletico Monero hosting Botafogo. Botafogo got to find a way to get back to winning ways. Uh, they You could see them almost stumbling against a team like Gallo. So um, they've got to find their way back. Uh, and of course, I mean, the Rio Derby, huge Vasco, the host this time, um, and Fluminense will be trying to push up into that top four. So meaningful games up and down the table, um, should be another really great week of action, but again, those South South fixtures for the, uh, world cup qualifiers will have to come first. So, uh, with that, Enric, I'm all set. I don't know if you have anything else to add. Uh, but, uh, if not, uh, thanks so much, everyone, for listening. We really do appreciate it, uh, especially if you make it uh, this far into the episode. But if you click on our profile or any of the episodes at all, it is always very much appreciated. So thanks so much, and we will be back very soon. Yeah.